0: Okay, just watch your step, yeah. watch out for those bottles.
1: Is this all nerve tonic?
0: Didn't have time to clean up before you got here. I've been parsing parsing for hours hours.
1: Cookie She was a sweet kid when she first started. She always had these cute little questions, you know like what's op mean and 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 what's a pug? <laughs> Oh, man, she just played for the love of Star Trek, you know? She was happy. I guess things just, they, they just changed.
0: Wake up, open a bottle of nerve Tonic, and get my DPS. Afternoons, I wrap up some upgrades and double up on that DPS. Evenings, small nap, then I get dressed, come to Club 47, throw back a bottle of nerve Tonic, and start looking for people to parse with. What's someone gotta do to get a drink around here?
2: Well, when we first met, Cookie and I. <laughs> I mean, she was. How should I put this? She was carefree. Everything was on normal difficulty. And she healed a lot. She didn't mind. She just kept playing for story and community. She just wanted to enjoy Star Trek with good people. Have fun.
0: So, what do you think W4P means? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. I barely cracked 25k on that run. And why? Because some snot-nosed noob can't follow simple directions. That's why. Oh Oh, yeah, you've worked on the game since launch, Gecko. Who's got two thumbs and couldn't care less? Me, that's who. Read your chat next time and wait for pets. Ugh!
2: How did it start? Well, she's been dipping her toe in the water for a while now. Learning this from Elijah, that from me, and so on. Just learning, you know. Getting better, but still remaining casual. Then she met him. That DPS pushing Hab sarcasm detector.
3: Breaking 50,000. It's like nothing you've ever felt before. You're reborn, alive. It's spiritual, my dear, and as an earthly reminder of your ascension to DPS greatness, you are given the privilege of choosing a new name.
0: Really? So your chosen name is Sarcasm Detector?
3: It is. It tells the world I know there is sarcasm, and I can detect it.
0: Wow. So what was your given name?
3: Brony 86 but that's in the past. Shall we talk D.P.S.?
1: Of course I'm scared for her. I'm terrified for her. And frankly, I'm terrified of her. I'd be lying if I told you I haven't fallen asleep in my bathtub clutching a bottle of rum and a baseball bat, fearing she'd do to me what she did to him. Following that embassy console fix? Well, I'm sure you've heard of it. Poor Bordicus.
0: I've got nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone is DPSing. If you're not, then you've got the problem, not me. I'm not hurting anyone.
2: What about embassy consoles?
0: Who told you about that? That twerp Elijah, he's always bringing it up. I... no, I'm not proud of it. I just want to watch Ryan STO's latest YouTube video.
2: Can you just tell us a little bit more about it? uh, Your side of
1: the story?
0: If it'll get you off my back, gosh, I'll tell you. Then you can get out so I can parse. I need to parse. Okay, here we go. Whew. Whew. I had invested some serious would-be parse time into loading up on Plus Beam Fleet TAC consoles and MC Plasma Science consoles. The doping was sick, man. Pure D.P.S. Then it all ended. They called it a fix. A fix! I went to sunny California to talk just talk but they took my precious I don't remember doing it
3: I won't easily forget that day she walked through the entrance door she was in shambles her hair was in a side ponytail and she was
1: wearing some old sparkly denim vest she grabbed a beautiful display case of little ships we had in the lobby and just she just toppled it over in a rage she broke them she broke our little ships and then she continued through the complex she was looking for whoever was responsible man she just unleashed like 50k dps on us
3: the staff had to barricade themselves behind a wall built of office furniture and then suddenly everything got quiet
0: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support.
2: Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on
1: secured channel. your hosts
0: hello admirals you're listening to episode 217 of priority one podcast the premier star trek online podcast recorded on friday april 10th 2015 and available for download or streaming on monday april 13th at priority one i'm cookie
1: i'm jace and i'm elijah
0: what do we have this week jace
2: This week, we start trekking out the Star Trek ongoing comic series by IDW Publishing set in the JJ-verse. In STO news, Delta recruits are working feverishly in preparation for the oncoming Iconian invasion. Again, this week, Priority One's fiction writer, Jake Cobb, brings you another Foundry review. Finally, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
1: Admirals, the Thursday night live recordings of our episodes are so much more fun when you join us in the chat room. So be a part of the production around 8 p.m. Eastern, that's around 5 p.m. Pacific on most Thursday nights only at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live.
0: Speaking of hanging with the Priority One team, reach out to us throughout the week. Follow us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter via at STO Priority One. And if you're in game, chat with the cast, crew, and fleetmates by joining the Priority One chat. To do that, just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority1 inside the game chat box.
2: It's time to start thinking about the 2015 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Now we've decided not to run another crowdfunding campaign this year to help pay for the trip. Instead, we've included the expenses in our Patreon
1: goals. In the next week or so, we'll be introducing some new incentives for Patreon supporters, including a monthly drawing to win Priority One t-shirts, Star Trek Online posters that were left over from last year's Indiegogo campaign, and other cool swag. So, if you're a Patreon supporter, or have thought about becoming one, we're adding a little extra to the pot to sweeten the deal.
0: We're hoping to represent you again this year at Star Trek Las Vegas, but we can't make it there without your help. As you know, this is a volunteer production and a trip like this is not an expense we can all afford to personally make.
1: Let's start gearing up for Star Trek 3 or 13 by finding out what the Enterprise crew has been up to between the films. Join, uh, then let's Trek
0: it out.
2: This week, we trek out Volume 1 of IDW Publishing's ongoing Star Trek comic following the adventures of the crew of the USS Enterprise as seen in the JJ Abrams series, following the first movie's events and eventually catching up with and passing into darkness. So this first volume is a little over a hundred pages and is written by Michael Johnson who also did the Countdown and Nero comics and who has been credited on the Superman Batman ongoing series as well. Art by Stephen Molnar who has done some other Star Trek tie-in work, as well as Danger Girl and some Planet of the Apes and many others. This first volume covers two stories, both adapting original series episodes to the new J.J. Trek universe. Part one is Where No Man Has Gone Before, featuring Gary Mitchell, and the second is The Galileo Seven, classic episode featuring Spock. But let's start with Where No Man Has Gone Before which I will say up front I think was the stronger of the two stories and was longer. At least it seemed like it was longer. Page count, I think it was over half the book. This episode stayed very close to the original series storyline with just a few interesting twists. Um, A mention of the psychologist character, uh, Denner, who was in the episode from the original Trek. It was a funny aside That she was not in this story however i can't help but think it's another missed opportunity for a female character to be treated better than say carol marcus was in into darkness generally though it it provided a fairly nuanced portrayal and and kirk having to deal with some issues of command that of course he would later face in into darkness as well it does a little bit undermine into darkness if you take this as canonical because One of the big points of Into Darkness was Kirk facing an existential danger to his ship, but yes, also losing crew members, which of course in this ongoing comic series, it only makes sense that he's going to lose some crew members, and so he will have faced that. In a sense, it was a little unrealistic in Into Darkness to make it about that, although really there he was facing the loss of the entire ship and crew. Galileo 7, I thought, was the weaker of the two stories, as I had very recently watched the original episode, The Galileo 7, and this version of it falls a little flat, I felt. They changed the ending a bit, which the ending of the original episode is sort of the linchpin of it. Spock's transcendence, in a sense, of the stereotypical version of logic that was being ascribed to him all along, whereas really he was just trying to beat the odds and occasionally making a mistake, which is only human. In, uh, in this version, it goes down a little differently, although I will say, in defense of this version, the interchange between the commissioner, who is eager to get them to deliver the vaccines on time, with J.J. Kirk makes a lot more sense. I found that commissioner very annoying in the TOS episode, because Kirk is very devoted to his crew in the original series, but he wouldn't let a planet die To save seven people. Like, he would be tormented over it, but I didn't think they needed to have this person constantly on the bridge quoting regulations to him. It seems like someone that Kirk would have thrown off the bridge way beforehand in the original universe. Whereas here, the J.J. Kirk is much more of a shoot from the hip, like known to flout authority, much more so than T.O.S. Kirk, although he was known to play fast and loose out on the frontier as well. But the interplay between the commissioner quoting regulations and J.J. Kirk's passion made a lot more sense. I I liked that part of it. But overall, I would say it's a worthwhile read. Like I said, the writer did Countdown and Nero, which are both excellent. And the art was very nice, very recognizable. The ships look cool. The new shuttlecrafts look very different from the original. And uh, pretty neat. I'm eager to see what Stephen Molnar does with some ship battles, which I'm sure I'll see in upcoming volumes. And... We'll trek back in with you from time to time when we have the chance to talk about further volumes. I'm curious to see where they take it once they get off of the familiar retreads of classic episodes. Right now they're still getting their footing. So, uh, I would say overall this is maybe a uh, three to four stars. I would say four stars. It's worth reading. I, I enjoyed it almost as much as I enjoyed Nero, not quite as much as Countdown. So, in the ballpark. Now let's see what's happening in Star Trek Online news. Computer, status report.
0: Status.
3: Incoming message.
0: I'm only in the mood for good news today. In the RP blogs this week, we hear from Captain Kagren of the Klingon Defense Force addressing all ship commanders in Starfleet, KDF, and the Romulan Republic. He explains that the Iconians are basically on their way and that we must ready ourselves for battle. One of the keys to battle is to know your enemy. So let's get to know the Iconians a little better. The Iconians are an ancient civilization. Over 200,000 years ago, their empire covered vast areas of the alpha and beta quadrants and they had dozens of colonies throughout that area. Their homeworld was in what we now know as Romulan space. According to historical records, the Iconians enslaved several races using advanced technology, including gateways, that allowed them to travel long distances in an instant. It is disputed whether the Iconians were oppressive and tyrannical rulers, or if that's just a biased view written by their slaves who eventually rose up against the Iconians and destroyed them. The Iconians prefer to work through servitor races, such as the Undine, Solanae, Elachi, and Vadoir, who are controlled in a variety of ways, including neuroparasites. The Iconians also raise their own sentient species, the Heralds, similar to what the Founders did with the Vorda. The Heralds worship the Iconians and serve as personal servants and soldiers. The numbers of Iconians are actually quite few. Not a lot escaped the destruction of their worlds 200,000 years ago. Rumors indicate the Iconians escaped the Solanay Sphere to the Andromeda Galaxy. If that's true, they have the ability to escape the galactic barrier. Contact with this barrier has been known to give godlike power. Ambassador Wharf recovered data from one of the Iconian subspace bases last year that may allow us to turn the Iconian's gateway network against them with experimental ships that can control a gateway for a short time, which is very important because their gateways can allow them to appear anywhere at will.
2: Now these two RP-centric blogs were followed up with a blog called Heralds of the Iconians by Al Captain Gecko Rivera, who went into what we know and what we've learned about the Iconians both from Star Trek Online and from some of their previous appearances or the episodes that were inspirations for, for example, the Ilachi and Solanay. So this serves as both a background compilation and also a, a nice sort of story so far on where we stand with the Iconians. Then he goes into much more detail about the Heralds, emphasizing that they are not like the servitor races we have fought before. They were not conquered, coerced, subjugated, bargained with, or grown. The relationship between the Heralds and the Iconians, he says, goes much deeper. Like the Iconians and the natives of Taldewa, Dewa, where the Iconians settled for some time after the destruction of their home planet, they have six eyes, and they may have been a lesser race that evolved or was raised to sentience by the Iconians. He talks about four types of soldiers that they have and five different classes of ships And I definitely recommend, of all of these dev blogs, this is the one to read if you're only going to read one. Because this is the run-up. This is the background for what we're going to be facing in the form of the Heralds and their armada in Season 10.
1: You know, what's interesting about all this is that we've got, you know, this version of the Iconians as, you know, evil. But you've got the Star Trek fan film, Star Trek Horizon that paints the Iconians as victims of a terrible onslaught, and they're trying to escape. I'm curious to see how Tommy Kraft, the creator of Star Trek Horizon, is going to take that storyline, because as we know it, in Star Trek lore, we understand the Iconians as being the big baddies, but, you know, maybe there's a story we don't know. You know maybe there's maybe there's a, a, a viewpoint he's seeing that uh, that we're not, so... It's, it's fun. Very true, that
2: history written by the victors aspect that uh, yeah. we talked about.
1: Looks like with the release of Season 10, we're getting a new reputation system, and with it, new gear and traits. Now, as is the case with other reputation systems, i.e. Undine Counter Command, Delta, Dyson, etc., you'll need to earn Iconian marks by playing missions such as Gateway to Grethor, Brotherhood of the Sword, and Herald Sphere. Each of these missions allow for scaling rewards, increasing the amount of Iconian marks received if you are able to perform above expectations and or complete bonus objectives. The second item you'll have to earn to get the gear from the new reputation system is called Iconian Probe Data Cores, which like isomorphic injections and Borg neural processors can be earned by completing advanced and elite versions of any queue that reward Iconian marks. So here's a highlight of the goodies you can earn from the new reputation system. An Iconian Resistance four-piece set that includes shields, engines, deflector, a warp, or singularity core. A three-piece ordnance set that includes a universal console, energy weapon, and torpedo weapon. You get a three-piece ground set, three kit modules, one for each career captain, and five tiers worth of new traits. Now, screen caps of the tooltips for the Space Gear has been posted on the Star Trek Online subreddit, and although everything is subject to change, from what I'm reading, I kinda want some of this gear. For starters, I don't mind the two-piece set bonus from the Ordnance set, which grants plus 17.8 to structural integrity, and, if you like torpedoes, adding them to the three-piece set bonus seems pretty decent to me. Personally, I think that the plus 1,000 temporary hit points is enough for me to sacrifice at least one of my weapon slots, at least the rear beam array. And join that with the Universal Console. Now, I don't know that I'm going to be sacrificing the Nukara set bonus or the Romulan engines, nor will I give up the fleet warp core for this, any of the space set items, but I kind of like the weapons. How about you guys? Uh, Jace, what, uh, what, how, have you picked up anything?
2: Well, that Universal Console, depending on how that bonus applies, might be a new must-have item, so... Generally, there's a lot of really good-looking stuff in here. I mean, it's going to depend on how it finally plays out when it comes live and uh, is a little fine-tuned, or we learn exactly how some of the damage modifiers apply. I do know that a couple of the items are bugged on Tribble right now and not applying their bonuses correctly, so it's a little hard to test. The ground gear actually looks amazing, which is not something that normally catches my eye, but people were really raving about it, so I took a look. And my ground build on my main, who is tactical, stacks crit severity and exposed damage, and this looks like I might be able to get my crit severity up even higher, which is pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about the ground, because I'm using the TR-116 rifle, and it seems like that's the best, but it would be better to use this weapon than to use the TR-116, right?
2: Well, what I do is I keep my TR-116 in one slot and then use a set weapon in the second slot for whatever set bonus is most important.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. So you'd still actually use the TR-116?
2: Right. My secondary weapon right now is... uh, Okay, cool. I think it's a counter-command rifle with with the counter-command shield for the two-piece bonus to give plus phaser damage, which benefits the 116.
1: Yo, do you get the set bonus... um... If you have the weapon holstered as your secondary weapon? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you still get it, Mm -hmm. so you don't have to be using the weapon to get the set bonus. Yeah, I almost never
2: use that secondary
1: weapon. And just to go back to the universal console that we were referring to earlier, one of the reasons that it's so appealing is that not only does it have a lot of defensive capability, I mean, the the tooltips are saying plus 15% to whole healing and plus 45% to shield heals, but additionally, you're getting a plus 10% to all weapon damage. So that's pretty mean. That's a pretty mean console. You're right, it could very well be a must have console. Yeah, I'm definitely
2: going to be watching that one closely.
0: Here's our first community question this week What are your initial thoughts on the new reputation system? Are you already thinking of swapping out some gear? If so, what are you going to give up for these new goodies? Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO217 or comment via Facebook or Twitter.
2: All right, so this week our release notes came a little early because we had a patch on Tuesday so that they could get some fixes live for the Delta recruitment event. And as of right now, and I haven't seen this problem since, the issue with loadouts where occasionally bridge officers would have their powers reset to default when transferring maps should be solved. Now... In addition to that, bridge officers occasionally being removed from their station when transferring maps
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, they're getting removed. So you're telling me that I have an alien on board my ship? That's teleport. <laughs> it's the a That's what's happening. Yeah, they're abducting Is that The them. are being abduct- Are abducting be my Q. bridge officers. He always
0: did that stuff. I,
1: you know, I, I am. I better get some kind of enhanced shielding to block them. So I haven't. <laughs> I haven't
2: had the problem happen since Tuesday. But I
0: have. Oh yeah. I actually don't think I have since Tuesday either.
1: In any
2: case... When,
0: Cookie, when
1: was it that we logged into the game and, and uh, played... That was, that was Wednesday night. It happened to me. I logged into the game and... Ta-da! None of my bridge officers were in their place. They were, were, all, all, out. They were all out to lunch.
2: <laughs> well, fine. Invalidate what I'm saying. So, it looks like uh, further work may be needed on this issue. However, the main purpose was fixing the bugs in Treasure Trading Station, Cold Storage, and... Uh, The fact that the missions Taris and Alpha, which are not available to Romulans, were showing up as objectives for Romulans and a couple other small fixes. However, we did have a pretty large set of release notes for Tribble, and even more just went up tonight. So, a lot of stuff going on on Tribble. The Tribble update on the 7th added in the Iconian Resistance reputation, and some more fixes to the Sector revamp, and a number of other bug fixes fully implementing things on Tribble. Um, However, something very cool that kind of went under the radar at first, but then Bordicus pointed them out in answer to a question that a user had on the forums. There are now a couple of new projects. So one of them allows you to exchange 100 reputation marks for an elite mark. So you could exchange 100 Omega marks for a Borg neural processor. It has a 20-hour cooldown, so you can only do once per day. And it doesn't exist, obviously, on the reputations that don't have an elite mark like Romulan. And they added, this was a much-in-demand feature, higher denomination mark to dilithium conversion projects. So 50 to 500 still exists. Now there will also be 250 marks for 2,500 dilithium and 500 marks for 5,000 dilithium. And they'll only appear in your list if you have enough marks to complete them, which is helpful so you don't half-fill one. And then, you know, you could have done several 50s, but you didn't have enough for a 250, so your stuff is stuck.
0: That is going to be so helpful.
2: Yeah, which is funny, because I just cashed in almost all my marks on my main and my alts. Whoops. Also, Bordicus posted a note answering the question some folks had where the Delta Vanguard tech upgrades awarded for Delta recruits were now buying the character instead of buying on account. That was a change that they decided on before it went live, and he gave his uh, sincere apologies for the communication not being updated on there, but it is working as intended.
1: What was the concern? Because I had a hard time understanding what it was and what was changed.
2: Well, their concern was that people might power level Delta recruits just to dump the Delta Vanguard tech upgrades on their mains, and especially it, it might press people to look for another Loophole, or I wish he hadn't said exploit, because that opens a whole can of worms for maximizing XP gain again instead of just, you know, merrily playing our alts in the new content.
1: But in order to get the tech upgrades, you had to reach level 50, no?
2: Correct. I mean, we're getting a trait and both of the devices, and what else do we get account-wide? I forget. A whole bunch of stuff. Marks. Right. But I guess those are all one-time unlocks. Whereas this would be something you could level up multiple times, which none of the other rewards were. I just don't like that term exploit. For I mean, there's no known exploit. He just says potential exploits, but that, that's just a can of worms that I wouldn't throw out there.
0: Leveling up a tune to 50 doesn't seem like an.
2: He's talking about like when people were leveling up super fast with spec points. If they, it, it would motivate people to go push for what in the game will give you a better time-to-XP ratio than anything else, and then they would exclusively do that for the event, which is not what they want.
1: I didn't know there were still leveling exploits that were existing in the game.
2: I I don't know that there are, but right now there's not really an incentive other than, you know, what already existed, wanting to level up, wanting to get spec points, that is sending people out to try to find anything like that. That's why I kind of have an issue with it. Like, I mean, I don't really care about the Delta Vanguard tech upgrades, but we're we're getting other things for for leveling up a delta alt, albeit not per alt, and it's a pretty significant time investment for some tech points. I mean, they have no chance of a quality upgrade, which to me makes them significantly less valuable. It yeah. would be really nice for leveling up uh, one reputation item, I guess, from like yeah. 12 to 14 because reputation items cost a fortune in tech points.
1: That's not a bad idea. To soften the blow of the oversight, I guess, or the mistake then improve those tech upgrades to guarantee that quality upgrade. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Especially now that they're bound to character. So, it's been over a week since the Delta Recruits marched into battle. What has been your experience, guys?
0: Well, I made two Delta Recruits so far. I wanted to make three, but I was not allowed to make a female Gorn. Why can't I have a female Gorn? The only option was male. I want a female Gorn, I don't want a male Gorn. And it's totally canon to have female, female Gorns exist. I don't understand that, that's so sexy. Anyways, I made my first Romulan tune this week, and I don't think I've ever had so much fun playing the story missions. The tutorial, the story arc, it was just so good. It was probably my favorite so far. I can't believe I waited this long to make a Romulan tune. For those of you who have never played a Romulan, definitely try it. If it weren't for this Delta recruitment event, I'm not sure if I ever would have gotten around to it because the idea of leveling up another tune is so unappealing. But since this Delta event came, I was like, oh, might as well. And I finally got to meet the notorious Tovon Kev, which I have to admit, he is a total hottie. But the idea of not being able to break things off someday if I ever get bored with him is a bit unsettling. And I know a lot of people don't like that, but for now, I, I totally like him
2: cookie i can't believe i didn't realize that you had never played through the romulan storyline you're lucky i would have hounded you about it when
0: yeah when so elijah
2: and i used to work together i hounded him about his romulan until he actually leveled it up enough to at least go through the storyline though i suspect he just effed his way through it
0: yeah you know I'm what doing this... you <laughs> <laughs> that's totally you would totally do that elijah <laughs> but for this for the romulan I am doing it completely by myself, nobody else. I don't want anybody with me on the missions. I just want to do it at my own pace without worrying about anybody else, and I'm doing it slowly. Mm-hmm. But I still want that Gorn. I don't know what I'm going to do about that.
2: See, I actually have been playing a Gorn. I had created a Gorn and never actually leveled him at all and have cl- had collected two of the three Gorn ships, which I picked up the third ship from the Sea Store this week so I could have the trifecta. And uh, I'm really enjoying it my first science character, sticking to science ships after my initial couple of birds of prey. I'm in the Varanus science vessel at level 45 now, and uh, probably going to stick with it, get the fleet version, get the T5 upgrade, and go from there. Although I might eventually claim a uh, veteran ship, the Pegku, which is a real nice destroyer. How about you, Elijah?
1: I've created a one-toon, and I think that's all I'm going to do. And I'm taking my time with it. I am in no rush to get it through to level 50 especially that there's no deadline for it, right? I could take as long as I want. But knowing that my future self comes back to advise me, I copy and pasted my doll specs over to my new character so that it kind of felt like it was just the same character and it was really my level 60 going back in time to tell.
0: visuals? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So, my character, my new character looks exactly like my main. That's cool. It makes me feel a little bit like I'm playing my main, only back in time.
0: That sounds so boring. Whatever. Why would you want the same?
1: Hey, it's for immersion. It's my immersion. <laughs> my main character is Elijah, and so I didn't want to roll a new tune, right? I didn't want to play a new character, oh, and pretend like it's the new character for. No, no. I've been working the last five years to get this tune to level 60. So right, so I've I've, I've invested, it I've <laughs> I've invested the time and the money and the effort into getting my main tune to level sixty and geared up, and so I don't want to start a new random character with an alien gen. No, I wanna I wanna continue that that RP, that story, that immersion. So I saved the tailor load and I uploaded it to the new character, and now even though it's a different name, at least it looks like my character. I wasn't gonna name it Elijah too because I would break immersion. <laughs> Eli Jamray.
0: They're both named Eli Jamray. What? Wait, you didn't both name them Elijah. No,
1: I didn't. I couldn't. So. Okay. um Good. So yeah, I feel like I'm like it is me from the future coming back and helping me, you know, in the temporal this temporal war against the Akuna. I like that.
0: Why not just make just one more tune an alien and make it a little baby tune so you can play <laughs> with my little baby tune. Just for fun, you don't have to level it up.
1: Uh, okay, Just have yeah, it. that's fine. All right, I can create. I mean, I can. I I would like to create up to three of them, so I still have time to create it, right? Uh, there are no deadlines, and I can earn these things as I go along. So um, yeah, I can create a, a second and a third, a science, which is going to be the little baby weakling, um, and-, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll create an engineer, which will be a behemoth tanker kind of big guy with broad shoulders. Yeah, my
0: tune actually. It has two different uniforms. One is a child and one is a giant. So you can go back and forth oh, on, okay. on one single tune Any look that you want if you make an alien like that.
2: See, that's funny because my Gorn, I actually maxed every single slider. He's as big in every proportion as you can make a Gorn. And what I did, along the same lines as Elijah but a little bit different, I took screenshots of where I met my future self so that I can make my, recreate that costume so my future self when I finish the storyline, actually looks like that. You lost me. I took screenshots of my future self from the initial cutscene. Okay. So when I get to that point in the story, oh, okay. I'm going to create that costume.
1: Not, okay, good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. That's cool. That's cool. I like that idea. It's not an um, Odyssey? Well, it's, I'm a Klingon. I oh. yeah, I'm a Gorn. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm effing through a lot of it. Um.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I've I, I've only done the Klingon storyline once before, so I actually was following along with that. But some of the later content, like, if I'm playing real casually or if it's new content, I wait for all the voiceover work and all that stuff. But, like, I've done Obisex missions, like, six times each or something like that. So I just read over them again to remind myself, and then F, I, I'm not going gonna... to. He's a bad example, though, because he's one of the better uh, voice actors. I like him.
1: Well, again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from Perfect World Entertainment and Cryptic and aren't officially announced in the blogs on the front page of Star Trek Online, we have the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse.
0: Salami Inferno tweeted a picture of a story planning meeting with Al Rivera drawing up the plan. He also posted a close-up of the story, but I'm guessing it was only because you really can't tell what is written. Something about Tesha alive, something, something, somebody dies. Your guess is as good as mine. I can't read Al's handwriting.
2: <laughs> yeah, he missed his calling as like a doctor or a pharmacist. Or I know. <laughs> now, Al also tweeted a picture, this one of the Sector Space Transwarp Rejiggering Planning. So if you got on Tribble and pulled up the map, you could probably put this side by side and figure some of it out. But it basically looks like a game of Battleship or maybe Minesweeper. He later tweeted, I updated all the transwarps for the new Sector Space. Excelsior and freighters will no longer fail. It was cute at first, mm. but it got annoying.
0: It's a fixing bugs.
2: Well, no, it was a feature before. The Excelsior it was a joke from Star Trek Three where it would go, wah, wah, wah. And, and the transwarp wouldn't engage.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Uh, but, I mean, it's an annoying thing to actually have happen in the game,
1: even though it's funny. <laughs> Al also tweeted that there will be new music for Sector Space and that it's so nice.
2: See, that's intriguing, because I have enjoyed some of the new music since Delta Rising, but the old Star Trek Online music ha- is, like, embedded in my brain. Like, I get it stuck in my head sometimes from playing so much.
0: Yeah, the... That woman singing. Not from Sector Space. I guess that's from Mission.
1: Speaking of Sector Space and the improvement of the scale it seems that some of that capability has trickled onto Tribble in the foundry and tuscan 38 posted on imager a few screenshots of his tune in a one-to-one scale aboard a galaxy class starship and i gotta say it's really impressive
2: yeah i got a glimpse of that earlier and it looks really good i gotta check that out
1: I mean, you know, I, I remember seeing something like this in in Minecraft. Um, oh, yeah. Which is pretty interesting and pretty cool. But the fact that we have this capability now in the game in some way, shape, or form is... that's pretty epic. And the detail, it's not half bad. It's really not half bad. There's one picture of, of his toon walking up to what would be the bridge... the top level, the bridge level. Um... And the windows do look a little blurred, but that's expected, right? These these models are not really intended to be that uh, detailed so close up. But, man, the nacelles look beautiful, and it's just, it's just gorgeous. This is amazing that he's able to do this in the foundry.
2: And you know what it reminds me of, though? Some of those screenshots remind me of Generations where the Enterprise is downed.
1: Yes, yes. And they're just,
2: like, walking around on it, like, climbing out the
1: skylight. Troy can't drive. Aw. So we encourage you to check it out. The links, of course, will be in the show notes. Uh, It's fascinating, and I think that this opens the door to some amazing Foundry content.
0: Before we wrap STO news, we have a few events coming up on the calendar. For the second week of the Delta Recruit event, we are tasked to complete as many duty officer assignments as we can. Every time a Delta Recruit completes a duty officer assignment, it will contribute to the meter. If we reach Tier 1, we will get 25% more commendation points the following week. Tier 2 will get 50% more, and Tier 3 will increase to 75% more. And again, this bonus will apply to everyone, not just Delta Recruits. Bordicus Cryptic tweeted that all DOF assignments are worth the same toward this week's goal, so log in a lot and spam those short ones. So It doesn't matter how long the DOF assignments are. Those 5-second ones that you can do at Starfleet Academy will count as well.
2: So guess what one of the two main things I did that I wanted to finish up on my main character before delta recruiting started what okay. i got all my commendation ranks to four wow. blah, I'm
0: working blah. on that too I'm, I'm almost there too on my main
1: well now you'll be able to kill it i'm gonna try i have to get i'm, I'm missing a few on for four i'm pretty good in the progress but this is one of those opportunities where i think you see, it's hard, right? Because I want to play the new Delta Recruit, but at the same time, I want to take advantage of these bonuses.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's like I'm tempted to try to grind out some specialization points during the XP boost, but I also want to do the doffing to unlock the next one. So I might have to switch back and forth a little this week instead of just single-mindedly playing my Delta.
0: Right now, this week's doff assignment goal is kind of going slowly. So I'll be... St- I'll be impressed if we even reach tier 2. It's
1: interesting that they picked doff assignments for this new goal because if their objective was to lure new prospective players into Star Trek Online, the doff system can be pretty overwhelming at first, you know? It can it, it's it's not an easy system to kind of just roll right into. So, I'm surprised that this is the the second task, right? it confuses me was this is this whole delta recruit thing really aimed towards new players prospective players returning players existing players um
2: it's definitely a mix but i think it's the second week because they wouldn't want to do something like reps or queues or anything like that yet because that would be assuming people are leveling really fast which many of us are but not all and a truly new player might be leveling more slowly but duty officers are unlocked pretty early, what, like level 10 or 15.
0: And these will benefit new players, too.
2: It gives them an incentive to try it, even if it is something that might be a little more off-putting, if you think about it that way.
0: It's true. When I first started, I did not touch doffing for a long time. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I just didn't really think to even start it. And then people were <laughs> like, you gotta start doing doffing. I'm like, okay. Same with the cues. I didn't want to touch those either. Some people just need a little push. The only other thing to keep in mind this week is that this Thursday, April 16th, is the last chance to get your enhanced universal tech upgrade from the featured episode, Uneasy Allies. Now, I'm not sure if the other rewards are cut off, but I know that one
2: they're going to stay. It's just you have to get the enhanced universal tech upgrade during each of the three weeks. So, like, I've played it twice, so I have two. I have to play one by Thursday in order to get the third one. And that's per account, so you only have to do it once.
1: Wait, I'm sorry. So you're saying I've only played it twice, so I only have two. I could play it one more time and still get the third?
2: This week, yes. This is the third week, and this week you can get a third one.
0: Since, if you played it since Tuesday, though, right?
1: My question is, so I skipped last week. I missed last week's, right? So I missed the deadline at the patch. So all you can
2: get are two. got the one for the first week, and you can get one this week.
1: Well, Admirals, that wraps up Star Trek Online News this week. Let's move into our Foundry Review with Jake Cobb.
3: Welcome back to Priority One's Foundry in 5. Imagine for a moment, if you would, you're flying a mint Commander-level Vandal Destroyer, finishing up the Spectre's arc. You want to upgrade that Mark IV Disruptor Split Beam Rifle you picked up from the Delta Recruitment Booster Pack, but the Delithium Chamber is bone dry, so what should you do? May I humbly suggest you play a Foundry mission? The Foundry Daily yields 960 Delithium, which is twice the amount received for an average story mission and almost enough for use with a superior tech upgrade. With that in mind, this week's Foundry in 5 is easily accessible from Drozana Station, and qualifies for the Investigate Officer Reports daily. But we've only got 5 minutes, so let's hop to it. This week, we review Untimely Saboteur, by Antiborg. Upon completion of this writing, Untimely Saboteur was the first and only choice in the Foundry Top 3 for the Dunatu system. It was accurately listed as taking about 35 minutes to play. To begin playing... Simply fly to the Dinatu system, which is north of Drozana Station, and click Untimely Saboteur. Searching Untimely Saboteur in the Foundry search bar will also yield the same result. Opening mission text advises captains that recent Starfleet ship movements have opened a hole in their defenses, and that has left a critical Federation Dilithium mine exposed. You are promised glory for its destruction, or countless tons of delithium if you can capture and hold it. It should be noted, for those new to the Foundry, that an author does not have the ability to hand-pick Foundry mission rewards. One should not play this mission in the hopes of ducktailing in lithium. The mission does, however, qualify for the Foundry daily. So now that that's out of the way, let's see how it plays. Combat Combat is a key component in Untimely Saboteur, and it's done well. you face several opponents in both space and ground, and the enemies were skinned appropriately. Combat mobs are set at an easy to optimal level for the location of the mission. As this is an early sector accessible to Klingons, it was wise of Anti-Borg to choose mobs that test a player, but do not frustrate. For the review, a level 21 male Orion Science Delta Recruit was used. Through two playthroughs, he was incapacitated once, and that was due to lack of mob management, and frankly button mashing. There is enough of a challenge to need attention, but not too much to irritate. For this reason, combat receives a 4 out of 5. Puzzles No puzzles are present in Untimely Saboteur. The mission was accurately described to be a combat mission, so the lack of puzzles does not hurt the overall score. They could have been added and used without seeming forced, but the lack of puzzles wasn't a crushing disappointment. Regardless, no puzzles were present, so it receives a 0 out of 5. Map Builds There is one space map and two ground maps in Untimely Saboteur. The space map consists of a planet, a comm relay, and mobs. The planet prop is well-selected and appropriate in color and cartography. In other words, completely believable as a planet being mined for the lithium. The relay is easily accessible and accurate to its description. Mobs are a little close to the spawn and arguably could have been moved a few clicks away. So long as the player reads at a normal pace, the battle shouldn't spill over while you're reading the intro. Ground Map 1, representing the mining camp, is the star of the mission. It's well-designed and does a great job of creating an entire world in a very small space. There's a feeling of desolation, but also community in the little camp. Like many Foundry authors, Antiborg is forced to improvise certain aspects of the map, and he does so very well. One obvious example of this is his use of a wall asset, half-buried, to represent the lithium piping. The improvised pipe is featured, and could have been a distraction if not done properly. Antiborg also does a fantastic job of keeping the map dynamic. Explosions are perfectly executed, and the aftermath is clear. These little touches add to not only enjoyment, but immersion. Quick side note, watch for falling Klingons. Ground map 2 is effective for what it is, but does have some minor problems. An early objective is not indicated in pop-up, so if a player doesn't watch the mini-map, they could find themselves having to backtrack. The map isn't immense, but backtracking is never fun. As stated before, the map is effective in what it is portraying, but not overly interesting. The player will find themselves traveling without much to do in a moderate portion of the map, and the lack of points of interest makes the enjoyment wane a wee bit. The addition of combat or dialogue in those areas would have been appreciated, but the lack of both isn't crippling. Overall, the maps are well designed. If you're a map wanderer, stick around Ground Map 1, but bring an umbrella. Those Klingons will get you. Maps get a 3 out of 5. Dialogue. Dialogue is halfway perfect. Antiborg does a superb job of allowing the player to reflect their Klingon-aligned character's persona using dialogue choice right from the get-go, regardless of species or disposition. Nearly every conversation gives the player this amazing flexibility and it's extremely entertaining. Unfortunately, the reaction of the NPC or circumstances affected by the choice is only slightly different, at best, and offers no real difference in outcome. Part, if not most, of this complaint is due to foundry limitation, but the lack of deeper dialogue branching does hurt the score. Still, the ability to roleplay without breaking character cannot be overlooked. It's really impressive how different the mission felt on second playthrough using an alternate persona, despite the lack of alternate NPC reaction. Dialogue is better than its flaws. Plus... Antiborg used the mission name during dialogue. That's always a bump in score. 4 out of 5. Story. The story of Untimely Saboteur isn't a roller coaster, but it does have its twists and turns. You won't be shocked at the end, but things you thought may unfold don't, and vice versa. There appears to be a Star Trek 3 representation of Klingons, and Untimely Saboteur has a scene that seems to be a well executed homage to the film. The player also has access to a computer console in Ground Map 1 that gives a nice backstory to the antagonist, as well as some tidbits about the Nunatun mining camp. Be sure to look for it. Antiborg adds a nice little trick at the end of the mission regarding reward. It's a fun little play on the system and well executed. The story wasn't revolutionary, but Antiborg's ability to create one concrete theme with multiple tones earns the story a 3 out of 5. Recommendation So, would I recommend Untimely Saboteur to the Priority 1 audience? Yes. It's a fun Klingon mission that really shines for role-players. The mission was well-crafted, tone-driven, and just plain fun. The search for Spock feel and its ability to present differently to different players are its strongest points and make it a solid choice for any Klingon-aligned species. My exit review was 3 out of 5, and of course 100 Dilithium. Always tip your authors. For Priority One, I'm Jake Morgan. Now let's open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming.
0: Message coming in,
3: sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. (laughs) See, we are getting to know each other. Hi, this is Graham6410, and i just like to say I really enjoyed the show. And I have been listening for quite a few months now. Keep up the good work.
1: Well, Admirals, we're at the part of the show where we open healing frequencies for your incoming messages. But first up, a big thanks to Graham Armitage for his voicemail message. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We appreciate very much that you found us and that you've been listening to us over the last several months. Keep it going. Now, last week's community question was, now that you've had a few days to play through your new tune over the weekend, what are your thoughts? What rewards are you looking forward to the most?
0: Kamara commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, other than a bug at the very last mission of the Deferi chain, Delta Recruit rocks. Many advantages to Delta, both to the Delta and the Owning player. Very nice, very complete package, and strongly points out, green. That all the missions in Cardassian space need to go in for a makeover, (laughs) and they just don't quite work RP wise yet for the KDF players. The rewards are utterly awesome across the board. Please, listeners, Cryptic not only gave us a way to make new tunes with fun Delta Recruit internal storyline, but gave you a great set of head start packages. That is true. When I was playing my new Romulan tune, I was using like the whites that it came with, and then when I was done with the 10 missions, or no, when I hit level 10, Got all these nice nice gear from that reward and that made it so much easier.
2: Yeah, it's really fun getting all those rewards as you go. I've got a bank full of like mark boxes, getting all this nice gear as you level up. I've been getting I've gotten the ground gear two out of four times so far just because uh, it's it, it seems uh seems harder to me to put together a good ground set, especially since I've never played science before, so I like just having a prepackaged like equip all this stuff and be awesome. STOFSK commented on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode, I quit STO a couple months ago for many reasons, but the Delta recruitment thing has wrote me back in. I'm actually enjoying the leveling experience and I'll probably create a few more characters for the event. I love the bootstraps time paradox stuff. Feels very silly but in a good way. The rewards I'm looking forward to the most are the fleet and R&D related rewards. The former, because it'll be nice to actually contribute fleet only to lithium and not have to worry about my personal stockpile, and the latter, because anything that lets me kickstart or bypass R&D grind is welcome. Yeah, I definitely agree about the time paradox stuff. As soon as I went through the tutorial, I was like, yeah, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm definitely in this for the long haul. I'm a sucker for it.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten to use the dilithium yet. I haven't gotten that far, but I think that's a great idea.
1: Bobsled624 writes on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Keep up the great work, guys. Love the show, and I can't wait for my episode dose on a Monday evening. I'm loving the Delta Recruit event. It's great to see so many players out and about on the server trying out new and refurbished content. So many of my fleet mates who never replay the content they have completed. In many cases, this means that they have not replayed the mission since their initial launch. They have, like me, been wowed by the new tutorial and refurbished story arcs. You know, that tutorial... Yo, that's a long tutorial.
0: Which tutorial did you are you talking about? The Federation. Federation.
1: I'm talking about the Federation.
0: Oh, oh yeah, it is it is long. That's a
1: long one, man. I remember playing it when they had first revamped it, and I remember feeling that kind of wow this is pretty this is a pretty lengthy tutorial. But if you're you know, when I'm rolling it again this time for the Delta Recruit, I was really like, Man, I can't F through this fast enough. And not it has nothing to do that has nothing to do with the quality of the story. Just the fact that it's a long tutorial when you have to replay it, right? When you've been playing the game for five years, I kind of would like a fast-forward. Well,
2: normally you can skip it. It's just you can't for Delta Recruitment.
1: Yeah, but there's one cutscene. You meet the temporal contact. I don't know. I think that there, there, there could have been a way to... I guess, no, there isn't. There really is no way to meet both players in the middle, right? There's no way to, to easily allow new players to play the content and take advantage of the Delta Recruits while allowing old players, five-year-old players, to skip through it and skip that Delta Recruit temporal introduction. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's a compromise. I see it. I see it. It's a fair compromise. You're right. And,
2: you know, it may be a little lengthy, but, I mean, the old old tutorial was like, hey, fight some Borg. Oh, crap. Now you're in command of a ship. Have fun.
0: I had such a hard time with the old tutorial. It must have been like, they must have revamped it right after I started because I was scared to death of those Borg. I was scared to death and I just wanted to get through it. I was not ready for the Borg yet at that point. <laughs> and then I was stuck on the the space map, you know, where you kill, they have you kill certain Borg. I was stuck on there. I've got a bunch of accolades killing borgs so i was like what's wrong with this why am i not progressing yeah
2: the the pre pre-revamped space map i could see where it would be a little unclear where you were actually supposed to go if you didn't know
0: what you were doing yeah, well i had to have several people get on and help me get through that bug because i got stuck i had to like team with other people that and then they did it and then they got through it i i got somewhere it definitely needed to be re revamped
1: i have a question so the tutorial re-emerges later on in the story, correct? Mm-hmm. Like that that plot. Yes. You know, we I've been playing this game for five years, and you to
0: through it all, and you don't remember anything.
1: I have a retention deficit <laughs> issue, where it's hard for me to remember what's been going on for the last five years. Do you guys know of a of a like a link that? kind of has a, a plot summary of what's going on. I don't I don't remember. There's nothing easily acceptable.
0: I'm sure there's something out there.
1: I mean, still Wiki has a little bit, but I'm talking about, like... Like the whole storyline? I would not... I mean, I'm not asking for a transcript of, of all the missions, but I would say, you know, for the five years worth of story content that we've seen, it'd be nice to get, like, a novella type of short story book that... I won't
2: read. So what you're saying is you're
1: playing through it right now and can't
2: be bothered to read it. So you want
3: <laughs> so you
2: want some document that you'll also ignore, but you'll have me read and summarize for you verbally.
0: Elijah, when's the last time you did Never. a Romulan?
2: <laughs> Probably two years ago. Two years because ago.
0: Because that's how I would start with that. Make a Romulan tune and really focus on what's going on and play through that. <laughs>
1: I'm serious. That's no, really seriously good. though. Come on, really?
0: No, I'm serious.
1: Why? Am, why is? Hold on a second. Why am I being attacked <laughs> here? I'm just asking for something I can reference.
0: I well, that could be our second community question. What if they didn't?
1: What if they did do a Delta recruit? What hold on, hold
0: on. An what if they didn't audio a De- version of someone speaking, so he doesn't have to read. Maybe like a one oh
1: page God. with bullet points or a PowerPoint.
2: The
0: story.
1: There's a novel for Star Trek Online. I don't. I, what? What is the problem here? Why are you guys attacking <laughs> me? There's a whole novel needs of the many yeah, that came out during like the launch of Star Trek, Star Trek Online and I, like it's been five years maybe it's time for maybe a comic maybe a comic uh, like
2: a, something um,
0: in terms that you'd be interested in
1: whatever guys <laughs> I'm over you
2: no I know what you mean I, I just didn't I didn't get where you were going with it because you started off with talking about how the Delta recruitment uh, sub story links back in with the story later
1: I don't want to be your friends anymore oh, that's good <laughs> Great news, everyone! (laughs) Whatever.
0: Rob DMC commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. I enjoyed the Delta Recruits. I finished the Breen story arc, and I felt that the final cutscene was a bit anticlimactic. It feels unfinished at this point. What was the info that we gathered? It feels more like I was being used by the temporal agency. The rewards in the Delta Recruits is great. I'm currently in the middle of a second tune and prepared a third. The KDF is way better than Fed this time. The shorter and numerous arc really plays to that advantage. The Cardassian arc on the Fed side needs a serious revamp. <laughs> that's two votes
2: well, that's for that one. that's the second
0: time someone has said that. So. It
2: definitely feels very long in comparison to the other ones now. Our second community question from last week was, What are your thoughts on the new Tier Six iconic ships? Ward Collis posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, For the new Tier 6 ships, I have to say I'm simultaneously very excited and disappointed. The d is the largest reason I fell in love with the Romulans when watching TNG, and the ability to effectively use one Tier VI is awesome. I am, however, very disappointed at its stats. Its turn is slower than the actual D-Daridex sporting a crappy 5 turn versus the 5.5 of its predecessor. It also has only three tactical consoles. I'd hoped something labeled a battle cruiser would at least have four. The 4-4 weapon layout is expected, but I still wish it was a 5-3. If this ship had four tactical consoles and a better turn, I'd use it. I honestly hope that turn rate is a bug or an oversight. 5.0 turn is very, very low. Have to waste half your consoles just about to make cannons or torque builds work for it. Yeah, I think it definitely lends itself to beamboats. I do think it's odd that the turn rate is actually lower than the fleet D-Daridex on the Tier 6. I'm not sure why that would be.
0: Turn rates are so important to me.
1: Not just turn rate, but inertia, too, though. Yeah, and the D-Daridex is massive. Just because it has high inertia doesn't... I mean, um, high turn rate doesn't mean that it'll turn on a dime. The that, inertia, that inertia will kill to you.
2: Tokyo Drift in space. Yeah,
1: yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Huh. Luke Critter commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, The revised Icon Tier Six ships, I did buy a set. Having a viable Galaxy class and a Derodex has turned out to be a lot of fun. In terms of ship abilities, most come across as being gimmicky. But actually playing these ships and feeling that they can be competitive, that was a nice change. But were they worth it? The Command ships are a much better option in terms of compatibility and set options. Even better yet, I think the Guardian is a better successor to the original Galaxy. Was I disappointed in the purchase? Nah. I just wanted a better version of the Diderodex and Galaxy. And someone, please give Sarcasm something for his sore throat. Winky face. <laughs> the Foundry Reviews, nice addition.
0: Sean Newboy writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com, wonderful episode everyone great job love the tech parts with sarcasm he is awesome personally i don't think the andromeda needs a five three it turns too slow to use anything but single beams i am running one rom kdf psi through the delta stuff when this is written the server is working on tier two rewards love the iconic ships wish the andromeda was compatible with the galax now i just have to buy the ROM one not sure i need either of the others
2: And then some general feedback we received this week. Chris Vasco commented on our Facebook wall, What if they allowed us to sell back Zen-bought ships at a lower amount of Zen? Then I wouldn't be so angry when I bought a ship I'm not happy with, and they still get money from people. I think that's a fair trade, and you could still earn the starship ability for your characters. Sort of ties into uh, Elijah's idea about selling trades separately, but mm, I don't really think that's something we're likely to see, personally.
1: I don't know. I don't know about the selling... Trade separately, but you know what? What this reminds me of is perhaps breaking down a ship for future crafting. Right? If there is a crafting school for shipbuilding, you break down a ship and build an even awesomer ship.
2: Sure, I don't. I don't think we're very likely to see shipbuilding.
1: I, they, Al, it's. Brutal.
2: I mean, really, Al has mentioned a lot of things he would like to do, but system-wise, oh, yeah. that's that's pretty extreme.
1: Mr. Frosty commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, love the show. I also enjoyed how Cam gave his honest opinions about various aspects of the game without sugarcoating it. It is refreshing to hear how top-end players actually feel about the game. Keep up the good work.
2: Oh, yeah, so Frosty says, usually I just hear about these mediocre, half ass players talking about their opinions (laughs) about the game. I see how it is.
0: (laughs) See, we like to change it up, and he was just, you know, appreciating the different aspects of DPS.
1: You know what's interesting is that I don't think that Cam said anything different than how we would deliver it. I, I mean...
0: Well, he had some good insights, He had some though. good insights, I know, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have known. But, oh, I'm know, just people,
2: teasing Mr. Frosty, anyway.
1: People accused us of being aggressive towards higher DPS, and that is really not the case. We weren't aggressive at all. On the contrary, we are encouraging people to take a look at our, at our guide to just help improve their gameplay the game has changed the game has gone from 50 to 60 and that happens in all mmos that happens in magic the gathering a whole new deck comes out which makes an older deck completely obsolete (laughs) as far from what i understand of magic the gathering i don't play it so it happens and as players yeah there's a little bit of a need to adapt and adjust And hopefully this guide that we've created and spent some time on will will guide players in the right direction that won't hurt the bank, won't hurt the pocket, won't hurt the wallet, and you'll see some increase and some improvement in your gameplay at level 60 versus level 50.
0: Yes. And I didn't really even quite wrap my mind around how important this was until I failed Fleet Alert. (laughs) I failed Fleet Alert on my ground tune, which was not focused at all on space dps just whatever whatever i could get my hands on that was cheap and i failed we failed fleet alert i mean i didn't even think it was possible to fail fleet alert so there is something to say about having at least a little bit of dps so you can at least pull your own in a pug so you don't fail
1: 10 new levels 10 new levels and an upgrade (sighs) system to mark 14 i mean we there is a necessity there is a need for players to adapt and you know what i think the problem is here with, with the resistance is that perhaps the resistance is coming from a, a misunderstanding about how, how MMOs work from players who might have never played another MMO in their past, right? This, a lot of the Star Trek Online community are first-time players. They may not know that, you know, it's, it's generally kind of customary for an MMO to increase in, in level and require an adjustment and a, a new goal, a new...
0: Oh, if it didn't, it would be so boring. Right,
1: I mean, you know, we'd be playing the same STFs over and over, so... Well, and here's, here's the bottom line for me. I, I see people
2: saying things that sort of point to a divide between playing for fun or playing for immersion or playing, like, canon builds versus people who play to do DPS or, quote-unquote, break the system or push the limits... There's, there's no Defy, that's totally, that's a, a myth. That's something that people make up to say us and them and have this tribal warfare. It's BS. I am uh, right on the cusp of being a 50k DPS player and I'm also part of the Star Trek Battles community that plays canon builds and tries to beat the hardest missions they can, the hardest cues they can using canon builds with teamwork. And those are very different aspects of play and one person can actually enjoy both, lo and behold. I, when I played World of Warcraft, I was in a guild, and it's still around today, that I was a co-founder of, that was a role-playing family guild, you know, mostly a little more mature players. We ran a role-playing storytelling event every week for years, that was very well attended, all kinds of other events. But we also could go and do... Raids and instances, which were the equivalent of Qs and STFs in this game. And when we did that, we tried to be competent at our class and be able to do enough DPS or do enough healing or do enough control or whatever type of utility in order to beat those encounters. We didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to bring my rogue, but I only use whatever this like totally useless weapon is because that's my backstory. Like, you know, if you're going to go do content. Like, maybe you don't use a cookie cutter build, because cookie doesn't like being cut, for one, and also because, you know, that would be boring. <laughs> but you try to do the best with whatever build you choose. My cannon ship is a Vaadwar ship. I took the Vaudoir battle Battlecruiser and used the exact loadout that it comes with, but I just got purple versions of it uh, from the exchange that came from the lockbox. And it actually does fine i've i've d- got number one in crystalline entity runs with that ship and that ship has like three cannons three beams and two torpedoes on it it's nothing that would ever be in like a dps build but i made it as good as it can be within that cannon parameter like it, this is a made-up divide between players that i think serves no positive purpose in the community
1: 100 Yeah. i completely agree and you know you mentioned things, you mentioned a game like World of Warcraft, they have seen several expansions, you know, and players adapt, and you know, being accused of of being too aggressive, that's not the type of game style that they want I mean, that's just the the nature of MMOs they expand, and and new levels are added, and and players have to uh, reach new goals and the concept of it breaking immersion let's look at First Contact, right? In, In First Contact, the because right, we just celebrated First Contact Day and I watched yeah, it true. the Enterprise is sent on the Rom- to the Romulan neutral zone to monitor things and Geordi says we're the most advanced ship in the fleet which means they had some pretty high DPS <laughs> and they mm-hmm. were told to, to sit yeah. this one out because they were afraid that, that uh, Picard might be uh, uh, compromised so there, there is a precedent in canon of having a, an elite ship of having a ship that is that performs better than some others doesn't mean that they are they other ships are obsolete it just means that times change technology changes so think of yourselves as that new cannon ship that new sovereign class cruiser and again it doesn't have to break the bank you know what i think we need to do jace i think we need to look at that that guide again and add costs to it
2: that's not a bad idea yeah. because yes. keep in mind like the guide is we cover all the different areas but it's not like you have to make a ship that follows everything in the guide it's if right. oh uh what would be good traits to use you know i like my build but i'd like i don't really know what to do with traits you go look at traits you know that kind of thing it's not hey here mm-hmm. is a to z of this is what you have to play you don't mm-hmm. you don't have to have top dps by any stretch of the imagination to do nope. advanced content for the most part some of them are harder than others but this is like if you're having trouble, and you need a little bit of a boost, here's some things you could do.
0: And I'll tell you what, I'm not going back out into space until I get my DPS up. Even though it's a ground tune, it's embarrassing. The, I don't <laughs> know what I was doing, but I cannot believe that we failed fleet alert. I, I can do better, I know I can do better, just with a little bit of effort. Even though it's a ground tune, I'm mainly doing ground, I'm still gonna be doing missions on it. Sometimes it's, I spend ten minutes trying to kill one ship. On that tune.
2: Yeah, that's a bit much.
0: I'm over it. I'm going to totally try to improve, even though I'm mainly focusing on ground on that tune. Just with a little bit of effort, I can get this. I'm going to get rid of my Ryzen Cruiser and (laughs) get a different ship that I have. I probably already have a ship that's probably better. I'm not going to go out into a team again with this tune because it's embarrassing. And I don't want to fail. I don't like failing.
1: Well, one last piece of feedback is regarding our recruitment video that was published uh, not long ago on our YouTube channel. Al Rivera at Captain Gecko retweeted, awesome, fun video. And a big shout out to Admiral Winters, who put that video together from the skit that Ben pieced together a few episodes ago. Uh, it's a fantastic video, very kind of timepiece that goes with Thomas Maroney's theme for this Delta Recruit event that's been going on. Uh, Very World War II, very Art Deco kind of feel to it. So big congratulations to Admiral Winters for pulling that together on short notice and presenting that to the Priority One community. So congratulations. It's a great video.
0: Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at Podcast.com.
1: Well, that wraps up episode 217 of Priority One Podcast, brought to you by all of our Patreon supporters. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com.
2: Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show, and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. This week's community question is, what are your initial thoughts on the new reputation system? Are you already thinking of swapping out some gear? If so, what are you going to give up for these new goodies? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at priorityonepodcast.com forward slash PO217, or comment via Facebook or Twitter.
0: Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites, head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like, or check us out on Twitter via at STO priority one. You can even join the priority one podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one.
1: Admirals. We want to thank you for your ongoing support of priority one podcast. And thanks to all of our patrons. We've already hit our monthly running costs. We can keep the lights on. It's time to start thinking about Las Vegas. Don't forget, even if you can't afford financial support, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support.
2: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
0: The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at podcastcom And now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join, so send over your Delta recruits!
1: Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Ben Churchill, with support from audio assistant, Admiral Winters, and... QA support staffer Midnight Shadow Seven, and you can catch Midnight Shadow on all of his. I don't. He does so much, and you can catch Midnight Shadow Seven as he hosts Tribbles and Ecstasy. Thanks to our graphic artist Romulan Ale, to all of our bloggers and their managing editor L, to the writer of our Prelude dramas and Foundry reviewer Jake Morgan, to our video editor Jerry Tillman. To Chris Trone, our social media manager. Thanks to, our, thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, Admirals, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons.
2: Engage.
1: Engage.
0: you're listening to episode 217 of Priority One Podcast. Oh, let me just do that again. You okay? Yes. <laughs>
2: one of them there, Star Trek yeah. Online Podcast. Priority
0: One Podcast? Is be... that what it is? Hang tight, Admirals.
1: Seat. This is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> oh, no, don't say it.
0: I need to level. Keep drinking, Jace.
2: I'm going to be doffing. Jace's Trek It Out in 3, 2, 1. This week, we check out
0: and one of the keys to battle is to know your en- enemy. Em-
1: know your enemy. And their chakras. Their
0: aura. <laughs> and one of the key... Rumors indicate the Iconians escaped the Solanay Sphere to the Andromeda gal- Galaxy.
1: Galaxy. 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 <laughs> I'm
0: <laughs> going to start over. Okay. Ambassador War... Think Warp... from the
1: top. I'm
0: Where ISIS started?
1: I'm kidding. He's joking all in the way be- back to the beginning. <laughs> I have to sneeze. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. So, no. so. yeah, <laughs> Dude, you guys, are, you guys are terrible. Never mind. I don't have to sneeze. I just have oh, a that's burning the burning sensation in Burned my fast. sinuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> okay. It's good radio.
0: Okay, hold on one second.
1: Oh. Oh. All right. oh my God. All right. I wonder what she's pouring.
0: <laughs> that was Jace.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Alright. Oh, I guess it's me. <laughs> yeah, I hear this
2: foundry mission's uh, wicked smart. Huh.
0: Kamara commented via Priority One dot com. Other than a bug at the very last mission of the deferry Defer de
1: You know, it's like the person who compiles the feedback should go through <laughs> I,
0: I do go through it. Defer Defari Defuri de Deferi. Deferi. Sorry. The de Deferi chain. Okay. De Fury. That's. I thought it was DeFari. De. It's DeFerry. DeFury. Fairy. De Fury. De Fairy. Elijah, Elijah, it's your turn.
1: I'm coming. I'm coming. Make
0: sure you're on it, since you've been drugged up.
1: Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's not that big of a deal.
0: Two weigh two different, three, four, oh five gosh. different ways. Seriously, are
2: you are you drinking enough water?
0: It's like the. Did you read the bottle of the Sudafed, and it gave you a little winky eye with the it's alcohol symbols, kind of encouraging you to drink like on.
1: Oh my gosh, my okay, mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom.
0: Wish the Andromeda was compatible with the Galax. Now I just have to get the buy the ROM one. Oh my god, I really should have looked at this. One. I'm so sorry. I did look at it, but I just didn't. Now I just have to get <laughs> the buy Bi- the ROM. <laughs> I did look at it, but I don't know. Maybe I just well, wasn't that? thinking that I was he gonna just read broke. it.
1: Broke. Her brain broke. I did just you hear cannot
0: that? Come on. figure out what he's Seriously. saying. Seriously, she was
3: like, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Now I just have to get the buy the ROM one. What does that mean? Oh, okay. Now I just have to buy the ROM one. Not sure I need either either of the others. Let me try that one more time. You did it.